<laughs> uh, how's it going, Sam? Hey, Nathan. Uh, it's good, man. Just um, just uh, got back from a walk. Just working on a, it's the first time since, uh, gosh, since I lived with you that I had a uh, I had a yard. Oh yeah. God knows we did nothing to <laughs> <We did. laughs> year or two. That we <laughs> I actually I I forgot to tell you I passed by there recently and the lawn was like mowed and I was like oh so that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> same guy owns it it's one of like six houses i think he owned yeah i just did nothing i just remember it getting so high that they had to call the county and that poor guy came over to our house and was like hey man um we need to cut this for you and charge you for it we're like we'll cut it we'll cut it and we took like an entire day yeah and we i don't think we did a good enough job but Mm. it's uh yeah now now having a yard that's actually mine that i own i feel good about it but i opted for the electric uh lawnmower it's Ah. Runs oh, about battery? 40, 45 minutes, battery oh. powered. Um, I also have a battery powered weed whacker and uh, and blower, leaf blower. Oh. All in the same system, all the same batteries. No way. And it works surprisingly well. Yeah. I think the new kind of technology that's come to the fruition the past couple of years has really made it like an actual practical thing. And the only problem was it's very expensive. It's like a $600 lawnmower. <laughs> good God, it's, man. It does a good job, but the uh, I'm trying to bag all my, uh, my leaf, you know, debris. And or my grass debris, and it, it holds like one bag per circle of my lawn. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, uh, gotcha. it's constantly having to stop, empty the bag, and then put it back in, and then go around. So that kind of sucks. But gotcha. I'm just end up hiring somebody because our lawn is too too much for me. Hey, that's cool. Outsource. Yeah. Uh, if there's one thing I learned from uh, CPC, it was outsource what you don't want to do. Yeah, outsource what you fall behind on. Um, but I actually enjoy it. It's like really nice to get outside and like yeah. have a place to be out there instead of just like standing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's true. It's that's just true. Schedules and stuff. How about you? Are you, are you busy? Uh, you had a pretty crazy week last. <laughs> yeah. Well, while you were in uh, Hawaii and passed off like five or six shoots to me, <laughs> uh, it was it was crazy because I had like up. yeah, I, I had like three or four of my own too. So it was like mm. it was just completely nuts. Um, it, in fact, I like I got so like overworked that I like took like two naps in two consecutive days, which never happens, uh, which is which is awesome. Um, but yeah, got everything done and it was a lot of fun. Um, photographed Laura Poitras, 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 mm. whatever her name is at the press club. Yeah. Um, uh, Edward Snowden lawyer. Yep. Yeah. She was. I just watched a documentary about him. It's really good. Did you watch? Was it Citizen Four? Yes. Yeah. That's that was what it got an award at this thing and. And Ooh. so I was photographing her for because oh, she was accepting the, the like, award. Whistleblower, whistleblower yep. thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I photographed that a few times. It's an annual thing. You know? Yep, it's awesome. Um, cool. So anyway, but your I was thinking your uh, your talk about lawnmowers is is hilarious, uh, hilariously relevant to our uh, current topic today, which is gear, um, gear equipment. Yes. And uh, Sam, you have a, a bit of an obsession with gear. Is that right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's an obsession as much it as is. it's a natural inclination to want to own it all. And I, I, I feel yeah, like that counts as an obsession. An obsession. <laughs> sort of. But I do. I own a pretty and pretty much everything I buy. I tend to hold on to um, at least everything that I buy. I, I, I keep even if I don't end up using. I've had the uh, twenty-four millimeter Nikon tilt shift for two years now. I've taken one photo with it. So some of that, some of that's just pathetic, and I need to get you know change my my habits, but I do love equipment. I love seeing, I love technology, not just the camera stuff, but Absolutely. just technology across the board. Um, the evolution of it is just kind of mind blowing and it's allowing for, you know, stuff that 10 years ago was only accessible to, you know, professionals with tons of money. Um, but now is available kind of to everybody, um, at any level. So it's, uh, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know what to really say about my obsession other than that it's there. Um, you you have a lot of equipment too. Don't don't. Uh, <laughs> I no. I won't. Uh, I won't I mean, uh, discriminate. Yeah. Um, but but you know, but I, you're probably better at this than I am. Um, you know, one of the the very first things that I consciously started changing about myself as a photographer was kind of the realizing the value in, in running a kind of a bare bones approach yeah. uh, while actually on shoots, while actually making pictures, uh, not bringing every single thing that I own just because I can. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. And uh, going along with that, man, I got to tell you about this uh, photographer. I was out shooting an engagement session this weekend and um, this poor, oh man, this poor photographer. I, I just, I just feel for her, you know, I feel for her. She was out there um, shooting photos of, you know, some guy in a you know, pink shirt walking down like this cobblestone street <laughs> like, um, like by himself. Like yeah. And they were doing like, I guess like lifestyle headshots or something like that, which, you know, useful of course. Um, but, uh, you know, I just felt for her cause she was, you know, she had, it was broad daylight and she's using, you know, she's using on camera flash and she had two bags on her. One was on her back. It was like some kind of weird looking backpack thing that looked enormous. And then, um, and then around her left arm, left shoulder, she had this huge square like pack that was like a probably twice as wide as like a standard suitcase um, and, mm. and just as long. And it just I could tell it was just filled with gear. She I see her. She's sweating. She's struggling. She's like moving around, trying to move around. But her bag is like swinging and like causing her <laughs> to like move around. And so and there was like this guy behind her that was I guess maybe like directing, you oh. know how how it was going or something and. It was just, it, mm. it was sad. It was sad to, to see it, unfortunately. I was it's, like, man, it yeah. makes me so thankful to, uh, uh, well, maybe not thankful, but it's, uh, it helps me appreciate the how minimal like my gear setup is. Um, and, you know, and yours is, is pretty much the same way. Um, Definitely. It, there's so many advantages to it. Like the, the main one that actually was probably the most obvious that I, uh, took me a, a while to really like realize the value of it was, was like you said, she she looked miserable probably yeah. she looked like awkward right and yeah. being comfortable carrying just one camera and a few lenses um you know prime lenses especially which are generally really small and light like you feel good taking pictures you don't get tired you don't get a sore back you're not distracted by um you know just physical pain and and wearing out uh that that occurs when you have like four bags to carry around and roll and put on your back and all this. Um, and if you're feeling good taking pictures, that's totally going to translate into your work. Oh, absolutely. And you're going to be more excited yep. about like taking, making the extra effort to get down on the ground and see what the world looks like down there and like, you know, do maybe more creative things, but, um, and it just translates, uh, you know, over to your attitude and that carries across to your clients. And if, you know, it just says this like cascading effect that is super positive. And, you know, for me, like I've been doing this five, I don't know, seven years now almost. Yeah. Um, so have you, I guess. And, and mm -hmm. it's like <clears throat> getting really good working with very little early on in my kind of career that I, I hope to keep, keep up with. Um, like as I, as I maybe decide to start complicating things with, with lights and, and more advanced equipment or more equipment in general, like, um, I've got such a good core under like standing of the fundamentals because I, that's all I've had are literally the fundamentals, like a prime lens in my camera body, maybe two other prime lenses. That's it. No flash, no radio stuff, to, to, no triggering to think about, um, you know, just making life as easy as possible yeah. or, or limited as possible, I should say. Uh, so that now when I do want to do something a little fancier with light painting or, you know, any, any type of, um, tool or prism or something that I want to shoot with, like it's, 
I, my attention could be focused on that and, and not at all on any of my other equipment, which um, sure. just leads to more um, efficient working styles and better ideas formulating in my head and stuff like that. So, yeah. And that, that kind of, um, for some reason is triggering a bunch of memories of, of like older photographers who are always coming up to me and being like, Oh, is that a fancy DSLR? And, and I'll be like, yeah. And they're like, back in my day, we only had film and we, we could only take 16 shots per roll. And I was like, I was like, that's cool. Um, but what they were saying was like that, you know, film like limits you very, very really limits you. Um, yeah. and it helped them to produce, um, really you know great images because you had to like there was yeah the content was a priority exactly um and that kind of mentality while you know might be kind of annoying or funny to hear about from every uncle bob like at every wedding um is uh is a good parallel for you know for that woman you know shooting like that photographer shooting out in in alexandria with like 20 bags on her um where it's like limit yourself a little bit um with your gear and, um, it'll, it'll help you, um, to create better images. For sure. For um, sure. It's, uh, you know, and, and one of the, the fastest way I started limiting, like the first thing I started doing was transitioning from zooms where I would shoot with, you know, the holy trinity of lenses all day long, the 14 to 24, 24 to 70, 70 to 200, mm-hmm. uh, transitioning from those, which are big and heavy and provide just unlimited like options in every situation to, yep. to prime lenses where you just have one field of view and, uh, and, and you got to start from there and make it work, uh, instead of kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think a lot of people think that primes automatically means like, oh, well, you're just really using the, the ability to shoot at 1.4 or 1.2 really shallow, beautiful, you know, uh, depth of field. Um, you're, you're leaning on that as like a crutch to make your photography good. And it totally doesn't need to be about that. At, absolutely at not. All. In fact, yeah. sometimes like when I'm shooting professionally um, for like some event, especially if it's like portraits or something uh, like group portraits or something, I'm stopping my, you know, stopping my 50 down to like two, eight or four, even sometimes to make sure, you know, I don't, it's, it's not about the aperture. It's about what that focal length can do, uh, how how you can make that focal length work for you. Um, definitely. Yeah. And, and it was huge. Like for me, I'm more of a 24 millimeter, 50 millimeter guy. Other, other people tend to prefer like 35, 85. Those mm -hmm. are just kind of the the normal combos that I see. And, uh, for me, it actually has a lot to do with, um, my personality and how comfortable I am being close or not close to somebody during a particular moment. Absolutely. A, a lot, you know, I'm very comfortable getting very close. I'm very introverted, but when I have a camera between me and, and somebody, uh, I'm very, I'm fine getting close. Yep. And, and I got to say, here. yeah, with the 24, you have to be very close. But when you, when you are, when you take that extra step forward to get in, like that lens just throws the viewer of the photo, like in the scene, it puts them in that moment because of the natural distortion of a 24 mm-hmm. and just how close you have to be. Like it, it, it puts you there. And I love that effect. Um, and then the 50 is, is kind of the same thing, but just with less distortion, it's more, it's a little bit more flattering and, and obviously you can't be as close, yeah. but it's still like both those lenses really lend themselves to like putting you in the scene. Absolutely. And like making you a part of it instead of being like an observer. Like that's what I can't stand about telephoto lenses. Yep. Like no matter how hard I try and I take a picture of it, I feel like I'm looking at a picture of a picture. Almost. Yeah, like you're, I'm not, you're removed. Like, you're one step yeah. removed from the situation. Yeah. yeah, it's it's an awkward thing. Um, not that it can't be beautiful, but it's just not my preference as a photographer. You know, when I'm shooting in my couples, I don't generally like have them somewhere and then walk really far away. Just be like, just ignore me. Just do whatever you want. Yeah. I stay pretty close and give a lot of direction. I, I don't really remove myself from the situation at all. Um, yeah, at all. I, it's kind of trickled great. down from just forcing myself to use those two prime lenses as my my kind of bread and butter. 
but I'm not sure you, I feel like you mostly prefer a 35. Is that right? Uh, that's, you know, I thought that I did for like a while, but, um, after using the 35 for the past year, basically I've just, it's just like every time I have it, I just keep feeling like I just want a 24. Um, that's just how I feel like yeah, the 35 is like, I can't make its mind up. Like, it's, is, it's, is it supposed to be yeah. wide or is it supposed to be like tighter? Like it's, it's right in that zone. And it, it is a gorgeous, I have the Sigma 35 and, and it's a Art. gorgeous lens. Like it's absolutely gorgeous and, and it does have, um, some uses, but I just feel like, um, like re reception photos are great with 35, like really any kind of, kind of hanging out photos, um, where it's like a little more casual, maybe like a cocktail hour might be cool at 35. Um, maybe um but the more that i use it the more i'm just like i'd rather be at 50 or 24 or even 85 than than 35 i just it just makes me not want to use it <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is weird um i'm sure that you know changes with with every person but um and again i mean it's a great lens but i just i just love that 50 like it's so great um and then 58 nikon 58 is also really great what are you eating I'm trying to eat a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> okay, knock on 58. Uh, so we can briefly touch on that. A lot of people do ask me, why do I shoot with the 58? That's twice as much as the Sigma 50 Art, which is a superior lens in terms of sharpness and stuff. Um, I don't I don't know that we should get into the specifics of each piece of gear or not, but the 58, yeah. just briefly, it's not worth the money. It's like $1,700. It's a total ripoff. But because it's so expensive um, and because it's a little soft, nobody's shooting with it. And so it's like that 5% difference in the overall photo and feel of the photo that like by itself doesn't really mean that much, but I tend to do that with everything in my approach, um, where I'm like 5% different yep. than everyone else. And when all of that accumulates, like my work is suddenly a hundred percent different. It's, yeah, it's suddenly, it's suddenly <laughs> very different somehow. Yeah. And you know, the 58 is, is sharp enough for me. It has a beautiful character to it. That the love, Sigma just love the look of that lens. It's just it's, got so, yeah. such great bokeh. Like, yeah, you know, it's still not as good as the lens it was modeled after. It was modeled after another lens that I actually own from, I think the seventies It's a 58 millimeter 1.2. Yeah. But it's manual uh, only, right? Manual focus only. So in order to get the autofocus mechanism, and they had to make it 1.4 but it's still like that's the inspiration of the look that 51.58 is actually even better the colors aren't as good but the bokeh is just other it's like unworldly it's yeah. amazing um unfortunately i don't think it quite hits the same level but it's close enough and it's got autofocus so it's kind of the best balance you could make and i love it um you know okay. i give up a little bit i give up a little bit of a few shots here and there where the focus doesn't nail it the 58 focal length is a little more awkward than the 50 like i wish it was the same character and quality at a 50 millimeter but by design they, they had to do it at 58 so sure. it's uh, anyway and that's and that's fine because it's a it's a little bit of a different again it's that it's that subtle difference from standard 50s that that is really cool um and, and it, uh, there's something to be said about the, the 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 performance of uh gear and how optimal perfect performance isn't isn't something that i think should be even cared about uh absolutely much, absolutely uh, and that's beyond the kind of the fundamentals of like actually being able to focus nine times out of ten yeah <laughs> uh, in terms of sheer sharpness and like uh vignetting and all that like it's it's ridiculous it's so easy to get hung up on that stuff like the paper the written like you know statistics of on the sure. white sheet and compare yeah. it it's one to the next yeah the, that's that's also what i love about um it's, it's about what i like about wedding photography but just about how how i do things how you do things um that i really like is focusing on what's important which is 
does it look good? I don't like, I don't, I mean, like it can be, yes, I've had problems with like, for instance, that let's talk about the Nikon DF. It's a great camera, um, in many ways. Um, the autofocus isn't, isn't very good. Um, but maybe um, we should, I should interject and just, cause we haven't pointed out you and I both shoot Nikon, oh, not Canon correct. for people that don't know. Yeah. 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 Nothing against Canon. They're great cameras, but, uh, shoot Nikon. Um, okay. they do, they do the job. Um, but, um, so the Nikon DF uh, is a, a fantastic retro style camera uh, with absolutely amazing image quality. Um, the autofocus wasn't great. I used that lens. I used that camera for a year. Well, they, and, and they put um, in like a nine point crippled autofocus from their like lower end consumer cameras. Right, right, and it's it, it it was not it's not ideal, but the image quality was absolutely amazing. And for the year that I used it, um, it just gave me amazing images and and like plenty of people can get hung up on the autofocus uh, or can get hung up on anything about that they don't like about the D, the df like and like changing iso is like a nightmare on that camera <laughs> they definitely made um, they artificially limited certain things yeah to a, a, a ridiculous degree yeah and but you know when it comes down to it how does it perform well it performed it performed adequately and the image quality was amazing and uh, got really great photos out of it um in the same way like getting hung up on sharpness of the 58 like I mean, can you afford it for seventeen hundred? Does it look good to you? Like, is, does it perform? Like, that's what that's yeah. what matters. And, and here's the reality of most most images, whether you're a wedding photographer or you know a newspaper, most most genres of photography, like uh, they're not going to be experienced at an insanely high resolution on a giant twenty seven inch monitor. Like, they're going to be nine times out of ten, like a four by six sized print sitting in someone's little coffee book, you know, or at, at most like 11 by 14 or eight by 10, much, much smaller than what you're seeing on a giant screen. And I actually, both for performance reasons, well, mostly for performance reasons, um, uh, keep my resolution on both my big editing monitor and my smaller 12 inch retina MacBook. I keep my resolution pretty low because I don't need to see, uh, everything in retina resolution at perfect sharpness to make the most important decisions about my work, the color, the exposure, the right. composition and, and cropping, like almost everything else. Um, it is nice to see if things are sharp, but I never zoom in like one-to-one -one and look at things, uh, you know, pixel peeping on, on the details. Like it's just not at all worth the time, yeah. you know, and if something is unacceptably sharp and I notice it like zoomed out, you know, viewing the, the fit view of the image in my library mode and, and then I notice it, then, then I, I won't keep it and I won't deliver it. But right. beyond that, that's like my only threshold. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, I tend to get hung up on that a lot. Um, yeah. I tend to, um, sometimes like be like, Oh, I guess, is that person in the background doing something weird? And I like focus in on it. And by the time I'm done with it, like five or 10 minutes has gone by and like, yeah. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not working on what I need to do. And I think if it is the image good, great. Like if it's not like move on. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I think that it's absolutely like really important to, uh, not get hung up on statistics and, um, focus on, on how it works for you and how it fits into your business and, Totally. It's the entire reason Leica is is, is something that exists, yeah. really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they make purposely make it like really difficult to, to, to make images with their cameras, and that is actually the value um, behind their stuff for the photographers that, that shoot with them, I think. I, I don't really know, but that was the value for me in that it, it really purposely like made me think about um, kind of stuff – slower and yeah and anyway like it's probably a whole nother discussion to have but yeah uh, yeah so um we also wanted to talk about strobes um uh, what what kind of uh what kind of topics do you want to talk about in terms of strobes? well do you use them off camera <laughs> uh, i mean in terms you mean like flashes or like or like einstein's 
Uh, well, I guess we should keep this in the wedding photography realm since sure. it's something we're most experienced with. Uh, so weddings, wedding day, uh, yeah. you're out taking portraits at night or in daytime. How often are you, are you bursting a flash off camera? Uh, uh for, for portraits, uh, it's, it's pretty rare. Um, but, um, it depends on the situation. I was shooting some professional portraits, um, in a non-wedding setting. Um, yeah. but, uh, they were still creative portraits for, um, uh, health affairs, I guess. Um, yeah. anyway, and they were, um, you know, and I used a, used a flash just to get a little bit, uh, it was like a up flash to get a little bit of uh, a front light on her. Cause there was a big backlight, um, mm-hmm. ended up working out really awesomely. Um, so in some situations it, it can work. Um, generally I'm just using strobes for reception and yeah. Stuff like that. The thing that I find with any of like the off camera light stuff is that it, it changes the aesthetic and just like the, this defines your style and, and looks so much yeah. for you just right out of the gate that, um, I feel like you have to kind of go one way or the other. And I, I generally see that in most people's work. They either tend to, to use them like all day long yep. or in, in a huge part of the day, or they don't use them at all because it's such a, a weird contrast to, to like put, put one, image next to the other <laughs> where it's lit absolutely with flash and then where it's lit with ambient light i am 100 percent ambient like given light uh you know at nighttime i'll use a video light you know it's still more of an ambient way you're of talking about for portraits right for portraits yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um of course though i shoot uh with a flash on my camera a uh, bounce flash for receptions yep but even with that my my goal is to make it look not like a flash look make it look just like it's the light that's in the room yep. it just happens to be you know beautifully soft and well exposed <laughs> but it's such a huge big light source bouncing off the ceiling that it, it really it's no longer like a flash in my mind it's just kind of like a huge um soft box yeah up my shoulder um but which is great you know uh you know, in certain yeah. circumstances but I, and you know. you know with weddings i think it's like a very uh particular genre of photography that you need to be efficient and fast in and by its nature like using off-camera light slows you down like it yep. has to it has to uh yeah. you can still do it quickly and, and and stuff but it will never be as quick as as not using them at all <laughs> it, it has to be the, the, the you know across the entire average that's got to be the case and uh i'm all about efficiency and just getting it done and and not troubleshooting not you know forgetting to recharge something or had something plugged in and and not slowing things down and um you know with the other type of stuff like uh, corporate work and you know headshot stuff that you talked about, that's not as big of a factor. You're there and you have an hour to do like a picture of a, a person. <laughs> like you have a lot more time to tinker with it and it makes a little more sense because you're just shooting that one scene, that one, one, that one place in context and you're not having to mash it up against, you know, a bunch of other parts of the day that, you know, you're not able to use flash. And so anyway, it's um, for me, yeah, generally no flash uh, is good. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're dead on. I think again, kind of going along with the, um, gear, what we were originally talking about, which is kind of like minimizing your gear as much as you can, um, you know, for comfort reasons and for, uh, efficiency, um, having, having to worry about like a strobe where you have to like turn the thing around and, uh, like turn the head around, like, and you have to make sure that you got the right power because you should be shooting manual like for even with your strobes um yeah. like it's just um it slows you way down and having and the ability you, to, like during dancing and stuff it locks you into the zone yep. where your lights look great but what if something happens outside of that zone like right uh i mean you can make some quick changes and go over and, and still photograph it i'm sure but i prefer to just not have to make any changes <laughs> sure absolutely uh, just go to where the action's happening and it still look good how, how do you um how do you deal with like if there's just even like let's say first dance shots um if there's just not enough 
um, ambient light at all. Like it's just definitely bad ambient light or not enough. Um, how do you deal yeah, with that? That's usually the best thing because if I'm using bounce flash, the biggest problem that I have is not having it dark enough in the room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like the darker, the better, because I only want them to be lit by my, my bounce, my flash bouncing behind me, um, and not, not really be lit by the ambient light at all. Or if it is in the frame, then have it be, you know, kind of underexposed a few stops. And so, yeah, I mean, I just jump straight to the, um, um, the bounce flash, uh, approach, but, um, I don't know that we should get too, too hung up sure, on, uh, sure. on, on just lights, uh, other than to say that, you know, they're working against you in a lot, a lot of situations, just slowing you down. I mean, sometimes they're just utterly necessary because everything else about the, the given light just sucks. Yep. But, um, yeah. but I find that that's pretty rare, uh, you know, until the reception when it's just so dark, you have to use a flash yep. and, and then, um, just bounce flash. It still looks super natural. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and you're not dealing with light stands in that situation and it's, it's just, yeah. But, um, um, so yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, DSLR and mirrorless, uh, camera systems and, uh, yes. um, and kind of the frontier. Yeah. The frontier. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, for one, am extremely excited about, um, mirrorless systems coming out. Um, I am. yeah, the, the current ones aren't really doing it for me, but, um, you know, Sony is really striving for some some cool. They've really got some great ideas. Um, Nikon and Canon need to get like their heads. They out need of their, to get their butt cracks. They can really like, seriously, do. If they were doing what Sony was doing, like they would they would be killing it right now. Uh, Sony, the biggest problem I have with their cameras, I've owned the A seven R, the A seven A, and I have the A seven S. Um, functionally, well, first of all, functionally they do everything great. Uh, Visually, the colors kind of suck, and yes. it's like the camera has no soul. <laughs> it's not a satisfying experience to take pictures with it. It's just not. Uh, I think many people in their first few weeks of owning it feel like it's satisfying, but like rarely do I meet somebody that like has had the A7 series camera and like shoot with it all the time because it's not satisfying like a Leica or like an SLR right. is. It's, um, it just feels because it's like the soul. It's, it's like yeah, so tiny too. The tactile, it's like little. the size of it and everything. It's just not, it's not where it needs to be yet, yes. but, but functionally and what it can do and its abilities are mind blowing and exactly where every, everybody needs to be. At, and where everybody needs yeah. to be. Like they've even got, um, like even with electronic viewfinder, like it's amazing. Like, I, I'm excited about electronic viewfinders too. Like, I'm just, um, I just, I agree. I like wish that uh, Nikon would like be like, hello. Um, there's like a huge market for people that really need some new technology and um, mirrorless systems. Like, are obviously the future, and I'm very excited about where that's going to go. I just wish Nikon and Canon would get on board. Yeah, before they get bankrupt and like <laughs> don't exist anymore. Um, yeah. And the other big thing with me right now is none of the mirrorless systems have good enough um, lenses. They're, right. they're, they're, again, there's the, the types of lenses that look great on paper and, and generally perform like sharply and, and nice and, uh, and accurately, but uh, are totally uninspired and just dumb looking. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and it's, yeah, a direction that I, I think everybody needs to go in, but uh, my, my, my fingers are crossed, I guess, the most for Fuji, because I think they got it right with their XP oh, yeah. series. But, you know, tying it back into the next thing I wanted to kind of mention, full frame versus uh, cropped, uh, they need to go full frame. Like they have just need, to, 100%. I cannot believe that they, that they still haven't had full frame, well, and it's been like four years. Correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, what cameras that are mirrorless are full frame? Uh, the Leica and then the Sony oh, A7 right. series. Leica. Oh, the yeah. A7s are full frame? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, they are. They're fantastic because That's, of that. And, uh, gotcha. Oh, I, yeah. I think that might be it. Olympus is cropped. Um, right. You know, and, and cropped can look fine, but you 
there's you're losing opportunity like for better images and there's no reason to make you know unless you can make lenses like way cooler um (laughs) there's no reason to continue down a larger sensor size yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and I don't know if it has to do with the size of the bodies they want to put out, or maybe the EVF technology is harder to implement with the full frame, but Sony did it. So there's no excuse for any other camera manufacturer at this point. They, they need to get on that uh, to get full on frame. And, uh, you know, it's affordable enough now to where I think price shouldn't be as big a concern as it used to be with trying to push everything full frame. Right. Um, but, you, you know, know they broke the $2,000 barrier like last year, you know, brand new cameras, 1600 bucks, right. seven. Right. And, and the other thing is, even if price were an issue, it's not as much of an issue for us. Like, I feel like I would like to, I would like to spend like my money on if they if a really great expensive yeah. mirrorless full frame camera came out from Nikon or Canon or whatever, uh, or Fuji, I would like to, you know, I, I want it. So like, if yeah, it, no matter the cost, right? Like <laughs> yeah. the cost, I mean, up to a point, of course, but like, you know, cost is less of an issue. I want the technology. Yeah. Like I want that step forward. And that's a perspective I like to, to frame it, you know, in that photography is a very expensive hobby. It's, it's a yeah, very, very cheap profession, <laughs> very cheap profession. You know, it's yeah. overall, if it's your full-time gig and you get enough work, um, your, your equipment is cheap. <laughs> if you're yeah. able to, you know, make above 40, 50 grand a year, like the equipment shouldn't be that, that big of a hurdle. Absolutely. Um, you know, compared to think about like a, something as simple as a plumber, you know, that you have to have a van to carry all your equipment. That van's 25, 30 grand <laughs> yep. without anything in it. Like, uh, yep. that's a legitimate business expense that they have to have and worry about. Photographers don't need that. Like you can run an entire business off of 15 grand probably in equipment yep. uh, and then update every year with a nice new camera body, a couple lenses, stuff like that. Like it's a very cheap profession, but what do you think about, um, the, uh, about digital, um, medium format cameras coming out? Mm. Um, cause yeah, there's a couple the of real Pentax good ones. Made a lot yeah. Of, yeah. The Pentax came out last year and made a lot of, uh, made some waves. <laughs> the buzz, the buzz yeah. is going. Yeah. It's, um, but from what I've heard, the lenses aren't where they need to be yet, you know, and it's hard to launch an entire new like yeah. system definitely <laughs> because you need, like, that's a huge advantage Nikon and Canon both have and, and race basically everything. It's why they've been able to be so relaxed in, in keeping things cutting edge because they have that back system that where everybody owns you know six or seven lenses that all work on everything in that system and so like putting out a new medium format system where nothing is compatible none of my nikon lenses will work with you know a nikon medium format or a you know anything like that like that's tough yeah but uh, i think it's gonna be the potential is huge the look of medium format and the affordability is getting to a point that it's like within reach of most people and i mean i'm just super excited uh definitely you know, time, i mean time will tell. <laughs> yeah medium format has got is, is great so awesome um and um i mean you look at uh, the you know the film stuff that uh that people uh are doing um i know a couple of photographers in in dc that uh, and in virginia that do um that use contacts um new yeah. format cameras and their images are just so awesome. Um, they are, you know, I just, I can't wait fun to shoot with. Like you yeah. get the, yeah, the focusing screen or I can't even remember what it's called. The, the, the ground glass that you're looking at, mm-hmm. like you see essentially the equivalent of what live view shows you in an SLR these days, yes. uh, like the D750, like you see the full effect of the bokeh on the frame and it's easy to tell what's in focus and what's not. And the yeah. whole experience is just better because you know, you're having a larger surface area that, that the image is being experienced on. So. Right. And the other thing that really bugs me about current, gen uh i guess i should say uh cameras is i just find that the um the viewfinder and the um hand holding area of the grip um to be just too small like i want i want like a bigger grip i want a bigger viewfinder that really eliminates like the the surrounding light um and shows me the full 
full frame. And that's what I love about contacts is it feels like you're really holding an yeah. awesome camera um, that you can really, it feels like you're very easy to compose uh, on a contacts. Yeah, I uh, totally contacts. think you know, though smaller is is great in some cases. It's certainly not always better. And, and camera makers, I hope, even once the technology gets small enough to, to literally put in your cell phone, I hope they still make cameras that have some some you know substance to them. Where yeah. you're, you're, the whole experience is different because it's bigger, and and you just have a different you know feeling behind the images that you're, you you want to make with it. So, um, yeah. But you know, and hopefully not everything will go get to the size of the A7 series just because it can. <laughs> like, it's of course, um, yeah. yeah, of course. I don't know. So, and in terms of, I guess, kind of going along that that route, um, that route, the what's the kind of future that you see? Like, what, what, what how do we feel like the future of gear, future photography is going to look? My opinion, it's going to become something that to photographers right now uh, is very uncomfortable um, to think about. Mm-hmm. In that, I, I honestly believe it'll be a a matter of kind of starting and stopping um, a moment that you've either set up or you want to capture and, and you will essentially not hear any, any shutter sounds and it'll just take raw video clip of, yep. uh, of what's going on. And then you go back and establish your almost like the burst mode in the, um, the iPhone cameras right now where you just say go and then you go back and everything's stacked and you can get into the stack and then pick the image you, you want as the perfect moment. Um, yep. that feels like it's taking a little bit of the soul out of photography, but I think that is in my mind, the way things have to go. Right. And, and, and it'll get to a point where, as long as you've got the moment, it won't matter what's in focus. It won't matter what your exposure is because all of that will be able to be um, established later on in post-processing. And yeah. you will have the full field of light to do whatever you want later. <laughs> right. And it, that's the same um, the same hurdle that film photographers had to deal with. Um, again, like going back to Uncle Bob, like, you know, generally speaking, they'll complain saying somebody – you know, saying, saying like, Oh, you guys, digital photographers, like we took, we can only take 16, you know, photos per roll. We end up with like 300 photos for a wedding, you know, whereas nowadays we take over 3000. Right. And yeah. they're saying that they are taking the soul out of photography. Well, we know that that's not true. Um, we know that, that yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it all depends on the end know, result. Like, exactly. Has that changed for the worse or for the better? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty much impossible to argue that it's changed for the worse as a, of course. you know, as a, across the entire industry. Of, and, and the thing know. is, is photography as an art form, um, is in my opinion, is never going away much like, um, painting is never going away and music is yeah. never going away. Um, photography, one moment capture in time is, um, always going to be relevant and, um, how you get to that point is less important. And, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if the, the, the wise photographer is the one that can roll with the, uh, with, with the the changes (laughs) in technology, it's the biggest thing that I think, like, if you want to throw in tech companies as a, as an example, absolutely ones that have nothing to do with, uh, um, photography, like that's the biggest problem that somebody like say Microsoft is dealing with actually is it's, they are set in their ways from 10 years ago and to change the entire culture and way of thinking in the company to be like, make them relevant and put out products that people want now. It's like impossible. It's, it's, it's the most difficult thing to do. And like as a photographer, it's something where like it's important to try and, not not settle on kind of a a certain approach or maybe even a look or um right. know, a certain set of equipment you plan on using your entire life because uh that's like the fastest way i could imagine um falling behind absolutely and and i think that's what i really like about um your work and also the work of really any of uh of of my photographer friends that are successful um is that i constantly see in their photography um new directions, uh, or, or, uh, more something that's more interesting or, or something that makes you think, uh, how did they get that? 
Um, Jeff Newsom's a great example. Um, you're, he's somehow, even though like he's got a look, um, of course, but the way that he approaches every image is, is always different. And I really appreciate that. And the, the, the good photographers are the ones that are constantly trying to, to push that creative boundary. Um, and yeah, you can't, can't rest on your laurels. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. That is, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you do like you're, you're, you know, you might still continue to be successful, but you know, your time might be you know, number. I think it has a, a, a kind of compounding effect where uh, you tend to start becoming less inspired more often. And you, you may, you know, I don't want to get into that too much, but sure. yeah, yeah, it's not necessarily the healthiest way to be as a photographer. Um, but I do want to give you my, my one glimpse into what I think it may be extreme, but I honestly believe it, it, it will happen okay. where you Hit will be me. able to take, take a still image, a moment, uh, either through a burst of like video frame or whatever, and get your one photo um, open it up in something like Photoshop and Photoshop will literally do a, a CG render of the entire frame and allow you to change every single component in any way you want right down to the light um, and literally put in via CG like you know a big giant softbox from up over my right shoulder like hitting the person in the frame now and it'll, it'll look utterly realistic and totally um, natural but it'll be completely uh, CG and able to be controlled um, and in changed in any way you want i honestly think that's you think know, that's the future i do i really really do 20 years like i could literally take a still can... screenshot of you on your crappy computers like you know uh webcam uh, webcam and and bring it in and it'll analyze and render everything perfectly and then allow you to change it however you want make it nighttime behind you make it uh you know a nice beautiful soft box on your face instead of the, the ugly computer screen like anything I, I honestly believe that which is um something really cool to think about it with uh you know why I, I don't really throw away or delete any of my my images uh even ones i never use or plan to look at again because you don't know what the future may allow for with, with that work like who knows but i i think that's not um totally unrealistic uh, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, just think yeah. of how far we've come in the past 20 years, like 20 years ago, we barely knew what digital photography was, um, at least not in the 20 years ago. It was, yeah, it was like $10,000 for one megapixel camera. Right. <laughs> it had to be tethered to a computer to even work. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I found a, found a gateway. It was a gateway, <laughs> uh, camera, one megapixel from like 1992 or three or something. Uh, it didn't focus. Eight, it just, eight years old. I don't, I don't know. And it was like, it was hilarious. Um, but it's funny just to think like, Oh, that was like, that was like a pretty cool piece of technology. Like when it came out, like, um, versus in, and that was, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that was, gosh, that was yeah. 20 years ago. Um, so <laughs> the point is, is like 20 years from now, that's, I totally firmly believe that photography will be in a different universe than it is today. And, and if we can keep yeah. up with it, like that's, that would be awesome. Yeah. And there will be growing pains and there will have to be like adjustments to businesses. Um, but I totally agree. I don't think the, the, uh, like presence of still photos being like a desired thing in our life. I don't think that's going anywhere. I think they're, if nothing else, becoming even more desirable because they're, they're faster. Um, they're more instant gratification. I mean, and people like that these days, like you, you instantly see the image in real time. You're gratified by it. You know, you think about it, whatever, like it hits you and then it's done. It's faster than a video where you have to like sit right. down and like, okay, I have to watch this for a minute, like even a minute. Yeah. Sometimes when I have to pull the video, I'm like, okay, come on, <laughs> you know, still photos. It's just like done. And, um, and I think that is actually becoming more desirable these days. Um, than, than it ever has been so yeah um well um we should probably wrap this one up yeah i, I think um, yeah the, uh, we so what do you what do you got going on any uh um, anything this weekend you got a wedding uh, i've got yeah i've got a wedding this weekend at a place that i've 
I, I have almost never photographed uh, the same place twice, um, but this one I'm, will be my third time photographing <laughs> Russ, Russ Manor House. I think it's because, like, for instance, somehow I think Russ Manor House like put a bunch of my images from the first wedding I did on like their Pinterest mm-hmm. or something, and mm-hmm. they're the only good images on there, unfortunately. No, that's, um, that's good. That, that yeah, I've of, seen. So a I, lot of leads that way. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Um, and then tomorrow I think I've got something at the press club, and I might might bring along a student with me on that one. Cool. Um, so uh, what about you? Uh, I got a wedding upstate New York, driving down Friday night, uh, shooting all day Saturday, driving back Sunday morning, or maybe late Saturday night. Uh, it depends on how much five-hour hour energy. I'm still a jet lag from Hawaii, so um, oh, I might be able to be up yeah. super late, actually. Man, that really sucks. <laughs> my, my internal clock is really messed up. <laughs> it does suck. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. Oh, I, oh, I know. It's, it's It sucks to have to go out to you know, yesterday, Maui. Yesterday, I drove seven, seven hours total yesterday to get to my shoot. That was an hour and a half. I mean, I mean, that was round trip, seven hours, but it was it's a lot. <laughs> it is. It is a, a lot. It's starting oh. to get kind of ridiculous. But, um, hey, you know, it's, a, it's, what, it's what we got to do. Work 16 hours for yourself to not work eight hours for somebody else. <laughs> Um, and on that, I think it's a good spot to end. Cool. All right. I'll see you later. Bye.